Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Thursday, August 25th, and uh, we're still dealing with some baseball. We got NFL football coming up in maybe well, what, two weeks. Two weeks, isn't there? It starts with a Thursday game, I think. I think we get a Thursday game, right? They're horrible Thursday games, but you never know. Uh, we, we got basketball starts in October. We got tons of stuff going on here at Roto Grinders. Remember, if you wanna if you wanna get our premium NFL package, it we, we now offer a yearly rate, which is so much so much better if you especially if you're hardcore into NFL. It's what $2.99 for a full year. It's a 365 wraparound. So you just get access. You don't have to worry about the postseason, the the Pro Bowl or whatever, you know, anything afterwards, all the show, you get showdown content. You get the Slate IQ stuff for showdown. You get all the stuff. That the, I mean, the main slates are ridiculous. Okay. You get you get lineup HQ. You get the projections. You get all the expert tags. You get all the gridiron IQ for research. You, you get premium shows. You get multiple premium shows. You, you I mean, you get access to the premium discord. You, I mean, there's, there's so much during NFL. It's just content just, blows out and blood just comes out of the screen uh I'll, I'll i'll be i think i'll be doing one of the the the, the premium shows I'll, I'll be doing stuff right i'll be on a showdown show or so on a monday or a thursday i'm not even sure what my schedule is for nfl season right maybe maybe be hanging out with you guys on sundays at the end for a sweat or something i have no idea but tons of stuff is coming is coming up the pike that should should be announced soon should be announced. everything that we're doing we have a show like uh, for NFL, like every single day, multiple ones. So if you want your NFL coverage for you, the DFS season, or, or hey, for, for prop sites or for sports betting, whatever, sign up to Roto Grinders yearly package now or get the combo premium and just you get everything, right? If you pay that monthly, monthly fee, you get NFL, NBA, MLB, MMA, everything, soccer, whatever the hell you want. So uh, go to rotogrinders.com slash premium. And uh, maybe there's a discount code, $10 off your first month or something. If you do the combo premium, I think the yearly package is just like, well, why, why, if you're going to be using this for an entire year, why not, why not save some money by doing so? Good morning to the chat people. Right, AC2674 says, Grinder is an athlete who succeeds through hard work and determination rather than exceptional skill. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I am, kind of a grinder. Am, am I the most skillful DFS player? No, I'm not, Right. Am I the most precise? Am I do I do I do things like oh my god? You know I'm sitting there with a PhD. Am I, am I like Daniel Hutchings in the chat? Daniel Hutchings, he's he has exceptional skill, right? He does stuff that I I understand. I, I in concept I understand. I had to actually do no clue, right? Not really. The building building these these algorithms and tools and simulations. I could I could do like like ten percent of what he can on that end. But I I I. Uh, I win based on on my guile, right? On on real, really understanding the the strategies and concepts of DFS. And uh, good morning, Suki Singh. Good morning, Joe Matt. Good morning, Matt Mears. And and for this for this reason, obviously, you know, released the the theory of DFS masterclass uh, two a little over two years ago, right? And it still applies. Like that, the whole purpose of this course is that that it as long as DFS is around, all these concepts apply. So if you go to theoryofdfs.com, you could pick you could pick up the the fundamentals max masterclass. Had to think like a professional DFS player. But uh, you know I've been off Twitter a little bit. Uh, you know not as active. 
not playing DFS as much. Uh, I, yeah, I played soccer. I played MMA. I pulled an MLB lineup here and there because I'm kind of weaning myself off of MLB right now. But I've been working, me and James have been working on the advanced player course, right? Theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players. And uh, all things go well, that should be out on uh, on Monday, right? My, th- my throat is a little hoarse. I've been recording all the chapters th- this week. I have it all outlined everything. Uh, James is, is finishing up the tools, the Excel tools that will be included in the course. So you saw last night I tweeted out the chapter list. Kind of this will be shown on the the, the 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 site and everything. Chapter one essentials. Chapter two methodologies. Then we have the edge, the levers, relative value, combinatorics, archetypes, portfolios, exploits, study and review. This this is more of the application of the concepts that uh, that were uh, kind of laid out for you in the in the first fundamentals masterclass. Now this course is not for beginners. Okay, if you're watching this show, this this course is for you, but it's not for pure beginners, right? The first course, this one, could be for a beginner, could be for someone that just picked up daily fantasy sports. You know, just just started entering contests, hasn't played for that long, and I mean it is. Is it good for, for people that have been playing for a while? Obviously, especially if you're not doing well, right? Not, not, if, you're not, not, if you don't know what you're doing, right? Obviously, this is great for you. But uh, but the, the advanced course is, is more for people that, like, the, the things that you'll need is, like, well, you have to understand the basic dynamics, like the basic game theory dynamics of daily fantasy sports and have access to either your own projection model, your own ownership, or or subscribing to a site like this like roto grinders and getting all those all the all the all the numbers right getting all the numbers if you want to build your own numbers build your own numbers that's perfectly fine but what do you do once you get to those numbers right how do you build those profitable lineups well that's that's what this course is all about so like in the first chapter i talk about like basically what you know what you need what you need in order to play so like all the different tools all the different you know projections that you know the scope of, you know, kind of a refresher to how projections work, right? And how they're interdependent on each other, right? Measuring the accuracy of stuff, right? Kind of all the all the all the stuff that you'll need. The methodologies, number two, is like like really uh the the science, kind of the scientific method. That really chapter two is kind of like the scientific method of like like how do you put it all together? What what are the steps that you take? Because methodology without a methodology, you can't reproduce anything. You can't have a systematic approach to anything without a methodology. People just show up for a slate and go, "I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna haphazardly do this and do that." And some people have have rudimentary processes of like, "Oh, I'll build some lineups here. I'll select some lineups there," but they change on a day to day basis, right? I'm gonna try it this way one day. I'm gonna try it that way one day. I'm gonna try it this way. I'm gonna. Uh, I, I really think this guy's gonna do well. It's like it's all over the place, and uh, you. How are you going to be consistently profitable if you do not have an ironed out process or methodology or, you know, method uh, ex- of execution that you could that you could uh, repeat, that you could uh, <clears throat> that you could repeat and uh, and rely on on a day to day basis, regardless of the sport, regardless of the slate type? How do you analyze a slate? Right. And then go, Okay, I need to do this thing first and that thing, then this thing, then that thing. I need to consider X, Y, Z, build lineups, do this. Like what what is the methodologies that you use in order to build your hopefully plus EV line? So that's chapter two. Chapter three is about the edge, how to measure your edge, which is 
it's really tough in DFS, right? I talk about it. People think that they can measure it. Oh, I have I have a 6.8% ROI in index. What, what does that mean, right? What are the pitfalls? How, how do you deal with small sample sizes? It's like, oh, yeah, and head-to-heads, I have a... I have a 58% win rate. It's like over how, over how many head-to-heads? Over, how, over what opponents, right? So determining your edge, right, in the types of contests. Some people say, oh, I do better in single-entry contests. Are you sure? Is there a reason for it? How do you prove that? How do you, how do, you may not even be able to prove it to, to you know, an R of one, right, to, 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 to that extent. But how do you determine which contest you have more edge in, which opponents you have more edge over? And what's the fragility of that, right? Daniel Hutchins even says in chat, it's incredibly hard to measure it, right? It's insanely hard. And I think that's the one of the main reasons why people, you know, don't manage their bankrolls properly, right? They, they're they overconfident in their edge. Most of the time it's overconfident. Me, I'm underconfident. Now, I'm, I, I work that. That's why, like, I'm a nit. I'm a nit not because, like, oh, no, I don't like taking risk. No, I don't mind risk. It's a matter of, well... Well, if I if I if I put in what I think my edge is into you know like a, the Kelly formula, like is that going to be accurate, right? If I went full if I went full Kelly, that that would that would be to me that would be stupid because how do you define your edge? Your edge changes on on a sport, on a slate, on a given day, on I mean on so many different factors that how do you just plug in and go? Well, I have a six point eight percent edge today in this contest. So I should be, this is my bankroll and this is how much I should be wagering. Like how much variance is in that, in that number, 6.8%. So what, what numbers are more reliable, what numbers are more reliable and what numbers are less reliable? So we talk about that in the edge. Then there's the levers and a little review. I mean, some of the stuff is obviously talked about in the, in the first course, but not to this extent. It's, it's the concepts are mentioned, right? There's, you know, broad, uh, broad discussion of these things, but uh, this advanced course is, you know, gets gets a little bit deeper. So leverage, just we just re- review projection, leverage, correlation. Those are kind of the three levers. There's a fourth lever that we'll add. There will be a fourth lever that will be added. And then how do you balance those variables to increase the EV of your lineups? So let's, we talk about, you know, hot, it's not about you know jamming the projection lever, jamming the leverage lever, jamming the correlation lever. Like it's a, that mix. Lineups could have a different mix and still have similar expected values, and how those variables impact the, you know the variance of your play, right? You you jam you jam up that that projection lever, you, the variance is probably be lower, right? You jam up that leverage lever, your variance is going to be way higher, right? We have a baseball slate, right? We have a baseball slate and. Oh, I'm going to stack what, what today? I'm going to stack against the Grum, right? He's 57% owned according to this, right? So I'm going to stack. There are there are plus EV lineups that stack against the Grum, but they're going to be really high variance lineups, right? Because, you know, Jacob the Grum's distribution of outcomes is, is much more normal. So he's more likely, you know, on, on a given day to get around 25 to 35 points or so, and then your stack is done. But there are obviously 10% of the time. Jacob DeGrum gets 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 rocked, right? He scores zero to five, 10 points, maybe. The team scores eight runs against him. Doesn't happen often. And you can build lineups that, that take advantage of that situation. But understand that it doesn't happen that often. And it's going to be absurdly variant. So that's how that's how we 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 organize the levers. I talk about this on the show all the time. 
So how to set the comparative baselines, right? In simple terms, that that, that comes down to the to the often asked question of like, well, how many points below the optimal do I need to like, which there is no exact number and it'll all depend on the slate. So like, how do you set those baselines as, as a blunt methodology? Like how much, how much, how much ownership is too much ownership for, for, for a slate? How much, how much projection is too low? Like, how do you set those baselines? And then the distributional effects on lineup EV. So obviously the distribute, how the distributions of players are different. So their combination will will obviously determine how how skewed that expected value is on on a scale of results. In chapter five, we talk all about relative value, which is to me the core concept of uh, of DFS, especially in GPPs. Now, relative value exists in cash games. It's just that you really don't care about you don't really care about it that much. Right, it exists no matter what. So basically, the difference between you scoring points and your opponents not scoring points—that combination—you're scoring points in relation to your opponents, as opposed to just in a vacuum. So in chapter five, I talk about all about that, right? And we get we dive deep into you know finding the inefficiencies of relative value based on salary, position, ownership, construction, how to maximize that, how to take advantage of negatively correlated outcomes, right? And then the financially diminishing returns of the of those because how much is too much leverage? It's like, do you need do you need to win this contest by a hundred points? No. So yeah, this this a lot of the outcomes of your lineup involve scoring a ton of points that your opponents do not have, and you're gonna lose projection by use median projection by doing so. But is that needed? Is there a financially diminishing return at some point? At some point, where you just don't need to score that many more points than your opponents. And then late swap off. How does late swap affect affect uh, these these relative value considerations? Then uh, let's see. What else? What else? Just running through it because I came up with it yesterday. Then got uh, combinatorics, which is talked about in the first course in the uh, in the construction section, but on a very broad level. But this is uh, seeing the difference between player and lineup combinations. Okay, so the 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 players in combination with one another also needs to be looked at and not just the individual ownership of each player. If you play, we talked about yesterday on the Grinders Live, like if you play a Ranger stack, you most likely have Ronald Acuna in your lineup. So understand that that Ronald Acuna is more correlated to the Texas Rangers than even though they're not even on the same teams, right? Obviously, the Rangers are correlated to each other. So if you saw on yesterday, if, uh, oh, this Ranger is X percent owned, this Ranger is X percent owned, this Ranger is X percent owned. It's like, they're not, that's not all in a value. You can't just do ownership product and just go, oh, oh, 5% of lineups will have all three. It's like, no, it's quite possibly, you know, twice as many because since they're on the same team and people in baseball tend to play lineups that are correlated, right? Because you get a boost from that in baseball when they're highly correlated to each other that all three players are more likely to be in more lineups. So being able to identify those common constructions and then see what the, the correlation of those player distributions are in your contest. And then we talk about uh, duplication, avoiding and exploiting duplication of either full lineups or combinations of players in lineups, which is especially helpful in like smaller format types of uh, types of contests, like, you know, showdown, you know, small field golf, MMA, that type of stuff. Then chapter seven is uh, archetypes. And in archetypes, go through every basically every different variable that could be for a contest, for a situation, 
and the scale of how you use the levers and the styles of lineups that you build based on those types. So in in a sport with these types with with these types of distributions, what do you, what how does that affect your line of construction? These in small field contests, large field contests, uh, payout structures that are top heavy versus flatter, uh, the play, contests that have higher skilled players versus lower skilled players, uh, that that scoring scoring types, high high variant sports versus low sp- variant sports, all the different types and the archetypes that you will you will encounter in the DFS world, and how does that affect the scale in which you construct lineups? That's not one or the, there's no correct answer. Oh, in these types of contests, you should be more correlated. Well, that's not the be all end all. Like you're not going to be, you're not, oh, I'm going to be fully correlated and have a projection that's 800 million points lower. Like, no, no, it just means, just means that correlation is more important or projection is more important or leverage is more important. doesn't mean that it is or it isn't. It's just like how to weigh that based on the types of contests, the types of lineups, the types of opponents, the types of payout structures that you, you come across. Chapter eight is portfolio dynamics, which is just portfolios. It'll say portfolio dynamics on the actual course. And this is basically how, oh, are you going to play multiple lineups? Well, how do you do that? Right? So what, what, what's a player frequency? What's a lineup frequency? Of course, Daniel Hutchins is here. Talk about balance versus exploitative strategies. Like, obviously, the course is not necessarily geared around being balanced, right? It's more about being exploitative. And almost everyone plays exploitative to some to some degree. And then how you diversify to manage risk, right? You know, playing multiple lineups is not necessarily only for, you know, your, your goal is to get as many plus EV lineups, you know, higher EV lineups into the contest that you're playing, but it's also to manage risk, right? It's not just, oh, this, this, this player has the highest, is the lowest owned, and really, I have an edge here, and I'm just going to jam in 150 lineups with that player. Like you can do that, but just understand that you're that you're you're not managing risk very well. You know you're 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 being very you know you're you're not being very risk tolerant by doing so. So how do you uh, diversify to manage risk in a portfolio, and how do you measure the correlations of a lineup in for in a portfolio? Which I'm going to show this tool in a little bit because because uh, one of James's tools allows you to do that, and there's, I don't think there's any other like it in the, in the industry. And then of course player exposures I talk about all the time, right? How exposures really don't matter. Right. They're a representation of your player frequencies, but they don't necessarily say that you, you're playing good lineups. Uh, then how multi-entry uh, in, in, impacts your equity. Because obviously, you, you know, you can only win first once with one lineup. So your second lineup only has a chance of winning second. So like as, as you build more lineups, you know, your equity in contests goes down. Then identifying higher higher EV lineups versus lower EV lineups and how to trim them, which we have a tool. James has a tool for to do that. We do that manually a lot of times on this show in lineup HQ. Then how to measure the variance of a lineup portfolio, right? Let's say you're you're building lineups. It's like okay, I want like okay. Well, I will play you know a, lot, a bit of Boston. I'll play a bit of Houston, but I still want to play like a couple of uh, stacks against Jacob Degrom. Let's say you're playing a hundred lineups. It's like well. That that's building a uh, a portfolio that has bands of risk. So while there may be a there may be a hundred plus EV lineups that stack against the grub, that doesn't mean you have to play all all hundred of them, right? So to mat so to to decrease the variance of your lineup portfolio, you'll play five lineups like that. You'll play five lineups that stack against Lynn. You'll play you'll play five lineups. 
that are in five-man stacks, that are four-three-one stacks. You'll play, you'll play five lineups that are that are high project, high, that are much higher projection than necessarily. You know, those don't have a lot of leverage. Maybe five lineups that have a lot of leverage. Like you kind of, kind of putting together your own portfolio with different different bands of variance, different bands of risk, different outcome types. So how to do that rather than like just like plug in people doing an optimizer. They go, oh, give me, give me a hundred, give me 150 lineups, right? Give me 150 lineups and I want 20% of this guy. And then just not caring, not caring at all. No one, no one looks at the actual lineups and sees, are you actually building good lineups? Because you may see on your exposures that it's like, oh yeah, I have twice more than this. I have, a half, I have way under the field on that. And then you wonder why you never win. You wonder why you're bleeding your money away. Because you never looked at your lineups. Like, well, I had 40% of this guy. He did well and. And I, I still didn't get I, what, what happened there. All, all those lineups ended up with that player. And I didn't have that player also. And that like, yeah, you're making mistakes. So you have to look at your lineups in a portfolio as well. It's not just exposures, right? So talk about that. And then uh, then building that risk balance portfolio. And and how, did, how does late swap uh, impact that? Okay. Especially in NBA. It's like, oh, everything's nice and good. And then an hour later, it's like, okay, I'm blowing everything up. Right. I'm blowing everything up. Everything that I consider before I got to blow up. So we talk about that. And then chapters nines are exploits. So all the different things that you find in the DFS industry, how to exploit all of them. So projection, people that don't understand projection fragility, how do you exploit that? Optimizer bias, how do you exploit that? Simulation output, people that look at like Slate IQ here at Roto Grinders. They still don't understand what they're looking at. Right. They go, oh, this, this, oh, this stock is, oh, this stack is the top stack. Oh, I'm going to play a ton of that. It's like, yeah, well, it's still 86% of the time. It does. It's not the top stack. Yeah, but it's the highest on the chart. It's 14%. That's what does that mean? So, or oh, this, oh, this, this stack is so underowned, right? Oh, in comparison to their top stack potential. You know what? Also, people are looking at other people are looking at the same damn thing. So you may think that you're going in and playing a four percent owned stack, and it ends up being nine percent owned, and you go, what the hell? How do you exploit that? Exploit the fact that other people are looking at the same things as you. Combinatorial exploits, we mentioned it before. People that are playing Ranger stacks that don't realize that so many of them have Acuna in it. How do you exploit that? Well, don't play Acuna, right? I mean, it's very simple. Some of these exploits are not are not like groundbreaking stuff, but like basically what, what mistakes, what common mistakes do people make when building lineups based on all of these different factors that you can take advantage of, that you that you shouldn't succumb to yourself? Right, people that over over overuse correlation or underuse correlation. Maybe maybe playing you know like in in a con in a in a in a sport. Maybe in early early LOL. I guess maybe when they introduced LOL, people didn't didn't get that that the players are extremely correlated to one another, right? On the same team, and people were just picking and choosing, right? It's like no, no. Well, now you're exploiting the fact that people don't understand the correlation effects of this sport. The contest selection exploits where people put the wrong lineups into the wrong contests, wrong types of lineups. Attentiveness exploits, which is pretty, pretty simple. Oh, someone's out and someone's in and this thing changed. And how many people are paying attention? How to exploit that? Psychological exploits, right? People that, you know, narratives and biases and that type of thing. And then how do you protect yourself against exploits and how do you identify new ones? And then chapter 10 is a study and review. Which is basically kind of like kind of like results DB, right? How do you look through results DB? And we, we even provide a little tool for you to do that, but we you could also use results DB to identify sharp opponents, how to collect and manage data, 
you know, how to look at your past lineups, how to judge a contest field strength, you know, managing your bankroll, tracking your bankroll, you know, the perspectives on downswings, you know, are, are you being lucky? Or are you playing bad? And then evolving and redefining your goals. So it'll be, be somewhere, somewhere in the 10, 10 hour range or so 10, something like that. I don't want to just ramble on and repeat myself a bunch of times, but uh, that's, that's what, that's what I've been working on. This should be out uh, Monday or Tuesday, probably Monday. Uh, of course, the James will be on the, the, the pregame show on Monday. And we'll probably, probably talk a lot about it, right? Probably talk a lot about it, especially before uh, NFL season. Because once once week one of NFL comes around, this the, basically the, this whole place, this whole this whole this whole shebang, it becomes like NFL Central. So we'll just be wrapping. Okay, let's take a look at this NFL slate, this showdown slate, this thing, that thing. You know, the, the, what? How many millions of contests are available, and all the sites, and all the everything? It's the NFL like like ridiculousness. So I wanted to make sure to take care of all of that beforehand, and then in addition. To all of these chapters, audio, they're audio chapters. Uh, you you will get some tools, some Excel tools, and uh, the Excel tools. I showed off the portfolio trimmer. Like I, I've beta versions. I've like kind of like the first versions. James is is, is changing some of the display and, and cleaning things up. So I, I've some I've been I've been playing around with the beta versions of it. So I showed showed the other day. I showed the portfolio trimmer, which is which which will be a little bit more advanced. James is adding some stuff to that also. But you just put in your lineups and then sort by and trim by any type of type of variable. You want to find lineups that are higher, that are higher projected than lower owned, like cut and paste as many lineups as you want in there. And it'll just trim out the ones that that don't fit that requirement. Uh, then I also showed the lineup simulator, which is called lineup comparison on this, but it will call it the lineup simulator uh, where you could pit two lineups. Well, the, this version is where you can pit two lineups against each other. As long as you have the, the, the floor and ceiling projections, and it'll just basically run a simple Monte Carlo of uh, of all the players. It doesn't, obviously, correlation. It doesn't factor in. But just, just to give you a sense that based on the distributions of all these players, one lineup versus the other lineup, how how often does it win? How often does, you know, what's the, what's out of all these simulations, at 2,500 simulations, what's the highest score? What's the lowest score? What's the middle score? But uh, James is adding to run... Uh, not just two, but like maybe five or ten against one another. So if you wanted, if you wanted to, uh, you know, build ten lineups and go, well, I only want to play one. Well, let me let me run let me run a simulation, a simple simulation, and see. Well, this one seems to have a higher ceiling in the simulations. This one, this one, you know, the third one seems to have a higher. I'm going to play the third one. Okay. If you a lot of times it's going to be very close, especially if you're building lineups that are projected and owned and, and close to each other. But if you're not, maybe, maybe, maybe you could spot a mistake. Maybe that helps you choose. But it gives you a tool that, you know, isn't available for you to do unless you did it yourself in Excel. All these things you could build in Excel, but if you don't know Excel, I don't know how the hell you're going to build them. But another one is the the portfolio correlation matrix, okay, which uh, does not exist in in this industry at at all. And this this is. Uh, one of one of the one of the biggest exploits that that people make mistakes with optimizers that they get into the clumping situations. So let's take this slate for instance. Okay, so we have a small slate. What with six games? So let's say I'm going to go to build rules. Okay, so let's say what people will do is that they'll put in they'll put in their their they'll put in their settings, their magic settings that aren't magic and shouldn't be it shouldn't be your default settings for anything. 
You should be, you should be changing them on a slate to slate basis all the time based on the lineups that you want. Right. So they'll, they'll, they'll go in here. They'll go in there. Okay. I want, I want two unique players in between the lineups. I want 49, five, right. I want, I want stacks, right. I want, I want five, I want five, five X stacks, hundred percent of five X stacks, right. They'll go, they'll put in, they'll put in whatever they, whatever this is. Right. They'll go to pitchers. They go, okay, well, the, Jacob DeGrum is 57% owned. I, I want a little bit less than the field. I want 40% of him, but I want, I want a little bit less of, of Nola also. So I want 30, I want 30% of Nola. Right. Or maybe you want, but maybe you want a lot of them. Maybe I want DeGrum and Nola. I want all, I want all the DeGrum. I'm going to, I'm going to play 80 and max 80. Give, give me, uh, I'm going to tell it to give. I'm not even going to put a cap on it. Right. I'm going to say, give me, give me 50. Give me 50% the Grom and 50% Nola, right? Now, that is no relation to the lineups. They're just like, I just want 50% of this guy and 50% of that guy, right? So I want all of that, right? And then I'm going to build, I'm going to build a ton of lineups, right? I, I want to, I want to set a, a max of max on, on the stacks, right? I want, I don't want any more than, than 20% of a, of a given, of a given stack, right? On the slate, they'll do, I'm just, I'm just saying, this is what, this is what a lot of people do. Right, I don't know. This is their process, which to me seems a way too haphazard because it doesn't doesn't <laughs> doesn't relate to the exact slate. It's just like, oh, I developed something that worked once, and I'm just going to repeat it over and over again, regardless if the context of the slate doesn't doesn't work. Why? Why are you doing it? Right. And a lot of times I ask people, why are you doing what you're doing? They go, I don't know. I don't know. I did it once. This is what I do. Right. I won once, and kind of hasn't worked again. It's like, yeah, because you don't even understand what you're doing. Greg Biancone says, hey, Jordan, if the majority of people are using optimizers, wouldn't there be potentially exploitable edge to hand building? No. Hand building is the same thing. Optimizers are efficiency tools, right? Understand that optimizers are just tools, okay? People use tools wrong. People that don't use tool rule, uh, tools wrong have no problem with optimizers. Have no pro- I, I could hand build. I could look at these projections and hand build the optimal, like this optimal lineup that comes up. I could probably hand build it just by looking at the projections, just by looking at the combinations of players that are available and their point per dollar value and their, their salary. Right. Right. I could click this button. Nola DeGrum, Kirk Hoskins, Arroyo Bohm, Cabrera Zimmer, Pollock Schwarber. I could get to this lineup. It probably will take me a couple of minutes to do that. Right. To weigh the differences and get the most amount of median fantasy points in there. If I wanted this lineup. Right. But, you know, you know, it's quicker. Me just pressing a button. OK. Now, if you don't understand that this is the top median optimal lineup, they'll go, oh, well, I'm going to play this in a large field GPP. Like it's, that's that's not that's not a plus EV lineup. Right. You got one, two, three, four. You got a four man Philly stack. You got I mean, just from an ownership and a combinatorial uh, perspective, it's like this is just this is too high owned. Right. You have players that are all correlated kind of to each other that are going to be in similar lineups. So like, but people, people will subscribe to a site and go, oh, that's the lineup I play in my large field GPP because they don't understand. Or they'll use the, they'll use an optimizer. They don't, don't understand the, the projections. The optimizer told me, it's like, no, the projections that like, what, what are you, what are you solving for? Like the optimizer in and of itself is dumb. All it is, is a knapsack problem solver. That's all it is. So the constraints and everything that you put in is up to you. You're, you're, you're using the tool. What lineups do you want to build? 
So if you don't understand what you're doing, yes, of course, you, you, you can exploit people that use optimizers all the time. I do it. That's part of the course, optimizer bias. People that don't understand how optimizers work and they still use them and they get really bad lineup portfolios, really bad lineups for the contests that they play. They don't understand the difference between the contests that they play. They go, I'm going to build five line. I'm going to build a thread, three lineups for three max. And they build lineups that one is a, one is a cash lineup and two are lineups that are like leveraged to, to, to seven, set the seventh degree of, of hell that you don't need. They're not caring about their projection value, their total ownership. They're nothing. They're not looking at anything. They're expecting the optimizer to tell them. They go, oh, it's giving me a lot of Bradley Zimmer. It likes Bradley Zimmer. No, it doesn't like Bradley Zimmer. Just so happens that a 2K outfielder fits combinatorically to produce a high median score for you to jam in Nola and DeGrum. But if you're not jamming in Nola and DeGrum, you don't need Bradley Zimmer, Right? He's only there. He's there because he's 6.71. You you turn his projection down. Look, if I turn his projection, his median projection from 6.71 to 6.21, okay? Let's, let's say 6.11. Let, let's, let's go down to 6.11. Just change it. Now I click optimize. I get Nick Gordon instead because he's a 2K outfielder at 6.38. That's the difference. The optimizer is not saying, I like Bradley Zimmer. It's like, okay, based on the projections at the current time in the bat, Bradley Zimmer has a slightly higher median than Nick Gordon. Slightly. It's baseball, for crying out loud. The range of outcomes is very wide. So to say that Bradley Zimmer is so much of a better play than Nick Gordon is ridiculous. And then you got Jackie Bradley here at 6.21, who is another 2K outfielder. In order to get this construction, you need a 2K outfielder that has at least about six points. But what happens if you're not playing Hoskins? What happens if you're not playing? Now, Schwarber fits in at a 6K level. Well, what happens if you ter- take his projection down one point in median? One point. Maybe you don't Maybe you don't need a shortstop at 2K. Maybe, maybe in order to get 119 median fantasy points, it doesn't jam in NOLA into like. That's all it's doing. All it's doing is solving solving a solving a simple problem quicker than what you could do, you know, by sight manually. So people use optimizers wrong. You could exploit that, but it's not a matter of exploiting it by hand building. It's exploiting it by using the optimizer properly. That's it. Back on crack. Could you explain EV? Just tuned in. Relatively new to DFS. Thanks. Well, that that's that's a uh, that could take a long time. Expected value. I would I would Google that. Expected value in relation to, to gambling or sports wagering of some type. Essentially, expected value is when you're getting paid better odds than the actual probability of the event happening. So let's say you, you were rolling a, a 10-sided die, a 10-sided die. If you were getting paid 10 to 1, that you would break even, right? If you bet that all the time, if you bet a dollar on a 10-sided die, and he guessed, right? I guess three. I guess seven or whatever on each roll. If you bet a dollar, you'll get it right about 10% of the time, right? In an infinite sample size, right? So if you get it right, right, you'll get it, you'll get it right one time. You'll get it wrong nine times, and you're back to even you're back to you still the same same money in your hand, right? Because you're betting one, you're betting one and losing, 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 betting one, and then you're getting your time getting your tech, right? So it would be break even at that point. 
But let's say you got paid 20 to one. Well, that's plus EV. What's your expected value of a dollar now? It's $2. You're getting paid twice as much as you should be paid when you guess the right, not right number. So you bet you bet, you guess once wrong, you lose a dollar, you lose a dollar, you lose a dollar, you lose a dollar. Then once every 10 times, on average, you'll get twenty dollars. You end up with a profit. I would love to get I would love to stay there and bet on that all the time. Hopefully more than a dollar. What happens if you got paid five to one instead? Well, now that's negative EB. Now your one dollar bet is actually worth 50 cents. Right? Or 75 cents, no, 50 cents. You're getting paid half as much as you should. You should be you should be getting paid 10 to 1, but you're getting paid 5 to 1. So you lose a dollar, you lose a dollar, you lose a dollar 10 times, right? You win you win five dollars once and you're down five bucks. Right? Half your money's gone. That's negative expected value, right? And everything in between, right? That that is expected value. So in DFS, it's playing lineups that have a higher, higher share of equity in the contest versus the probability of you. Realizing that equity. So you want to build higher EV lineups than your opponents in a contest. And over time, over time, you will profit. DFS is not like a 10-sided die. If you're playing large, if you're playing large field GPPs, that's like that's like rolling a 15,000, 20,000 sided die. Right? Imagine rolling a 20,000 sided die, you having to guess what number is going to come up. And you get paid a hundred thousand to one. Okay, five times the amount that you should get paid. You should be paid twenty thousand to one on your bet, but you're getting paid a hundred thousand to one on your bet. Great, dude. My one dollar is worth five dollars now in expected value. The problem is it takes forever. I mean, you're gonna get it wrong nineteen thousand nine nine hundred ninety nine times on average out of two thousand twenty thousand times. But when you get it right, you get five, you get, you get, you're profiting. You get way more, way more money than you should. The question, the problem is surviving to the point of that happening, right? Because the winning large field GPV, the Millie Maker, the 300,000 entries. If everyone was equal, and let's say there was no rake, and everyone was equal, every lineup, every person in that contest put in an equally, an equally EV lineup. Well, then on average, each each user would win the Millie Maker once every 300,000 times. Now, let's say you could put you could put in a much better lineup. Now, a much better lineup in DFS isn't like five times better than the next lineup. No, maybe it's 20% better than the next lineup, right? So instead of and everyone else wins once every 300,000 times, you win once every 240,000 times. And that's your edge. That's your edge. That's your edge right there. And then maybe, and maybe there's some users that play really bad, really bad lineups. And because of that, they they win once every 600,000 times. Right? So it's half as often because their lineups aren't good. Right? Which increases yours. Right? So now, even though you're 20% better than average, but because there's half these lineups are really, really bad. Now, instead of winning one every 240,000 times, you're winning once every 150,000 times. And that's your, and that's, there you go. There's your, there's your edge in the Millie Maker. Hopefully you can live long enough, 150,000 times to, to win it once. And, and that's why if you could build plus EV lineups, that's why sharper players don't want to play just one lineup. They'll play 150 lineups, right? So it gives you them 100, 150 of those one in a 
150,000 types of shots because they could build better lineups than the field. That's the reason they put it in. It's not to have more chances. More chances doesn't matter if you're building bad lineups. If you're building lineups that have a one in 600,000 chance, a one in 1 million chance, building 150 of them just makes you go broke even quicker. You could, if you could build plus EV ones, then you'd want to play as many of them as possible. Injustice 360, when will season two of this theory of DFS come out? Well, there's no seasons. The second course, right? The advanced player course should be out on Monday. That's kind of what I've been talking about. And we'll have a new episode of the, of the podcast right after that. But one of the tools I wanted to show you, right? This is the beta version of it, just be aware. So let's say I, I was showing before of... You know, oh, it's someone that's just plugging in stuff. I want 50% of this. I want whatever. You know, and they're going to build 100 lineups. All right, so they build 100 lineups, 20 stacks of this, and, you know, whatever. I don't know. They want 50% of the Grum and 50% of Noel. So let's build 100 lineups. So, so people will do this. People will use an optimizer and go I w- and, and, and build their lineups based on exposure. And not actually look at the lineups. So now we look here, 100, okay, now now we're getting a little too far. 100%. Let's look, do we have any other? No, do we just have 100% of all these pictures? So let's let's cap them at 75. So I want at least 50 in each of my lineups, but no more than 75%. So let's do that. All right, are we, okay, we got 20. Okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. In order to show the example, I, I I need some more pictures in my pool. Okay, so let's build 100, 100 new lineups. So people will do that. People will put in exposures. They'll do more than this. I'm just showing you just a, a broad, just simpler example. They think that they could just put in all these numbers and just get lineups. That oh, if, I'm more, if I have over the field of that and under the field of that, if I have three uniques, if I have that thing, it's like it's just all magic settings to them. But it's not magic settings. You have to look at the actual lineups. Okay, so let me delete the other build. Okay, so here we go. So you got the Grom and Nolan, 75% of lineups each. Tyon in 27%. Lynn in 21% and 2% Luis Garcia. Stack-wise, you got some Phillies, White Sox, Blue Jays, Red Sox, some uh, Astros, right? These are all five-man stacks, right? But a lot of these lineups look very similar to each other, right? Nola DeGrum, Kirk, you know, uh, Philly stack. Yeah, just this one has Real Muto in it and Moncada. This one has Pollock. I mean, it's a two, it's a two v two difference, right? We we set it to two v two differences. Okay, yeah. So you go through here, and so let's let let let's look at our uh, let's look at our Philly stacks, for instance. So I could sort by that. So our Philly stacks, Nola DeGrum, Nola DeGrum. Nola de Grum, 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 Nola de Grum. Keep on going. Do we have anything that's not a Nola de Grum for a Philly stack? Do we have any any of these lineups? No, all of them. So all twenty. So are you really playing Philly stacks? No, you're playing Philly stacks plus Nolan de Grum. The Phillies put up 100 points and the, and the Grum gets injured in the first inning and comes out. Well, now all of your Phillies lineups are ruined. 
Yeah, but I have 75% and whatever. Like, I, I, must, I must have some lineup that has the Phillies plus. Well, Phillies plus that that doesn't have the ground. Well, did you check beforehand? No. Then how the hell do you know? You're at, you're essentially pairing Nolan DeGrom with all of your Philly stacks. So they're all in tandem with one another, even though 75% of your lineups. But if you look at like like the Houston lineups, here are the Astros lineups. Lynn Tyon, 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 Lynn Tyon. Look, it's all Lynn Tyon. Oh, here's a Luis Garcia one. There's one. Luis Garcia one. Okay. So imagine, imagine you being overweight. You're overweight. I'm over the field on Nola and DeGrom. Over the field. They and they go out and they they do great. Okay. Then the Astros. Are they playing one another? Am I am I gonna say something that's wrong? I just want to make sure. The Astros are playing okay, Minnesota. Okay, so it's not Nola or DeGrom. I just, obviously you couldn't get them in the same lineup if you're playing them against each other. Uh so Nola and DeGrum do great. Complete game shutouts, right? And the Astros put up 20 runs. And you go, well, well I'm I'm like double the field on Astros stacks and like double the field on all of that. Like I should have good lineups, and nope, you don't have a single damn lineup that has both of them together. Because you were looking at your exposures. You were like, I'm building lineups like this, and look, I have enough. I have look, I have Gulagariel in 16% of my lineups. And that's a little bit more than the 12% that's there. And they keep on looking at this side of the screen of their exposures and how they are above and below the field, but they're never looking at their actual lineups. They're not seeing how correlated the players are to each other in lineups to each other. Obviously, all the Phillies are correlated to each other in player performance. I'm talking about in the actual lineup, the distribution of your lineups in a content, in a in a portfolio. So people will complain, oh, all my Astro stacks have Lynn and they, they did bad. Like, why did you all your why did all your Astro stacks have Lance Lynn in it? Especially since you wanted to play so much the Grum and Nola. Well, that's what the opt and then you get the, you get the excuse. Well, that's what the optimizer told me. No, that's what you told the optimizer. Okay. Why didn't you correct that? If you didn't want that, Hey, there may be a reason you want to have, you know, all these two pitchers tied to all these stacks. You may, you may want to. Okay. doesn't mean they're bad lineups, but if you're looking to build a portfolio that you think is diverse based on these numbers, these exposure numbers, it may not be as diverse as you think it really is. So we built a tool to show you that. So I'm going to switch over. Let's see. I got a stream yard. You can't, you can't switch between. Okay, there we go. You know how big it is on the screen. We're also going to make them bigger just for, just for, just for a visual sake. So I'm going to export the lineups from lineup HQ. Okay. So I'm exporting this in my web browser and I'm going to paste it in the lineups Right, we have a hundred, a hundred and hundred lineups. I'm going to take my lineups and I'm going to paste them in right here. Okay, and what that's going to do? Check the current correlations. I don't even think I had to press that. It's going to do. It's going to look through. Or crash. I know this is the beta version. I tried doing this before. Sometimes it takes a little, a second. No, you don't even have to do this. 
And and even though, they, okay, the, the beach ball is up. Maybe I shouldn't have pressed the button. Maybe James has to fix that. Okay, but you can see here that all, all your players, we have a portfolio, a correlation matrix of what percent of lineups are with other lineups. So you see, obviously, NOLA to NOLA is 100%. And these will be our values, right? So we're still working on this. I'm just showing, I'm just showing you what, what you would be doing. Is looking to see, it's like how many NOLA lineups, like, look, NOLA and Zimmer are correlated to each other. So let's go back. So we see in this portfolio correlation matrix, for instance. Okay, now we go. Okay, there we go. Now, now it's now it's sped up. Okay, now we get to see. We get to see everything. Right? So how correlated the players are to each other. Look how many, look how many players are fully tied to Aaron Nola. So if you're playing Jose Abreu does well, like how much like let's 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 take a look. I'm going to look on the other screen because I can't put them both at the same time. So like, like Jose Abreu, we have in 21 lineups, right? Is that, is that right? Abreu. Okay. No, Abreu is in eight lineups. Okay. So Abreu is in eight lineups. They're all, it looks like they're, they're all, are they all White Sox stacks? Yeah, they're all White Sox stacks, and they all have Nola Degrom, 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 Nola Degrom. So if I look on Nola to Abreu, that'll be an R of one, one hundred percent, and we'll have a little bit better display. So even though you have eight out of a hundred, you have eight percent Jose Abreu. Well, Jose Abreu, if we just take a look at Jose Abreu, we go. And scroll, we find Jose Abreu, for instance. Where is Abreu? Should be on this list. Find, okay, find the 100% over here. Jose Abreu. Where is he? Okay, there we go. Let's go right all the way to the end. Jose Abreu. And you can see what players are the most caught. Like, look, you see, 100%, 50%, 50%. So, like, all of your Jose Abreu lineups have Kyle Stowers in it. Is that right? It's going to be, it's, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Jacob DeGrom. Where's Jose Abreu? Is this a mistake? Let's see. Okay, well, one lineup does. Okay, one lineup. Does. Okay, yeah. That, that's why James is working on the display. You could see, but you could use this portfolio correlation matrix to see, do you have too many of the similar players in similar lineups? Take a look at Aaron Nola. So, like, all your Rugnet Odor, well, which may only be one lineup. So, I mean, having 100% doesn't mean anything, right? That's why you need the R values. So like, Odor, Odor is in eight lineups. But all of the lineups with Odor have Nola in it, right? All the lineups with Matt Chapman have Aaron Nola in it. Lineups with Kyle Tucker, like let's say we go to Kyle Tucker, for instance. How many lineups do we have with Kyle Tucker? 
Okay, we have 14 lineups. So 14 out of 100 lineups have Kyle Tucker. But we can see here on the NOLA column that none are with NOLA. None of them, right? So your goal, if you're looking to build a more diverse portfolio set, is to make sure that uh, maybe you don't have as many bright red or bright green distributions of, uh, of players in your lineups. Christian Arroy, you go look and you check. Like, obviously, lineups that have, you know, uh, Jeremy Pena probably have Yuli Gurriel because they're both on the Astros. So that, that does make sense. But you're looking here and you go, oh, I have 75% DeGrom and 75% NOLA, not realizing that so many of your NOLA lineups are DeGrom lineups. And even though you have 27% Lynn, like almost none of it is with NOLA or DeGrom. It's with Tyon, right? But people will do this. People will people will use optimizers and do this without looking at their lineups. So double checking using a portfolio correlation matrix. This is something that I, th- th- these are tools that I'm going to use, right? Because there's a lot of times I'm building portfolios of lineups and I'm not aware that certain players are getting attached to certain other players, even though from a player performance standpoint, they're not correlated. And maybe I don't want to rely on, you know, two independent things happening that I don't realize are actually more dependent than they are because of how I'm building my lineups. So this portfolio correlation matrix should, should, should be very helpful. We're going to make it in, in the, in the lineup section, you're going to have one place to put in your lineups. It'll show you. So, you know, like we went through and said, how many lineups of one guy, like, Oh, all my, no, all my Abreu lineups are in NOLA lineups. Uh, James is making it so that you'll get a list of that. At least a list of like the top, like 20. Of like, play, how many number of lineups? You've got 100 lineups. And like, well, all 14 of your Kyle Tucker lineups are with Lance Lynn. It'll show you, well, Tucker Lynn is 14, right? Abreu Nola is eight. And like, and it'll sort. So like, if you have one situation, like the Nola de Grum, like Nola de Grum, maybe 68, right? That's the highest correlation between the two players in your lineups. And then you may go, well, I have 75%. So that means... If you're there in 68 out of 100 lineups, that means a lot of my other lineups are, are have neither NOLA or DeGrom. And then you, then you could go back to your optimizer of choice, like lineup HQ, and fix those issues. If you want to, if, they, if, they, if you have, if you, don't, if you don't mind not having much diversification or don't mind that situation, that's, that's perfectly fine. But there's so many people that use an optimizer that aren't aware of the the clumping dynamics of how optimizers work, as well as think that everything is on the basis of an exposure. I could build 150 lineups right now and give you the exact exposures that I have of every player. Then you could go and go, oh, well, I'm just going to put those numbers in the exposure columns and never get the same lineups as me. (laughs) And never get it. Like, but I have 50% of this guy. It's like, yeah, but he's not paired with these two other people that I have 8% of each, like you're all, all the numbers look right. If we counted up all the players and all the lineups, yeah, you'd have 8% of that guy. In six minutes, you'd have the same numbers as me, same exposure numbers. But my lineups may be really good and your lineups may be really bad, right? So exposures in and of itself doesn't mean anything. It's a descriptive. It's a way to describe a portfolio, but it doesn't necessarily describe the lineups in a portfolio. And obviously... You could exploit that as well because 
you could play around and go, hey, if people if people use optimizers wrong, they may get a lot of this guy with that guy. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build less lineups with those combinations, right? Because I'm, I'm going to run into way more combinations of those two, which shouldn't happen, but only will because too many people are using optimizers incorrectly or just poorly in general. So yeah, so I just wanted to run down some of that stuff because there's not much there's not much going on, right? We got a baseball slate coming up later today. Tomorrow uh we're not doing MMA tomorrow because there's no there's no card uh this weekend. I'll I'll be I'm I'm diligently working on on the course for it to, to come out on Monday. So that that's that's what I'll be doing, but I'll take questions. Well, maybe tomorrow is a mailbag. It's a mailbag kind of, even though it's for the YouTube chat people, right? So if you come tomorrow, we'll just be doing whatever. AMA, ask me anything, but it'll be up to the YouTube chat tomorrow. So if you're in the YouTube chat, give me those thummy thumbs. I, you know, I, I like those. Give me the thummy thumbs, thumbs up, thumbs up, uh, subscribe, like, do whatever you want. And obviously later today on Grinders Live, it's a smaller slate tonight on, on a Thursday, Thursday evening in baseball. You know, they'll be covering the, the MLB slate on Grinders Live, 5 o'clock Eastern. And then right after that is Crunch Time, which is which has been free all year, presented by FanDuel. Kevin Roth will be on with uh, with, with TJ and, and Cheese, maybe, or Cardi or so, someone. I don't know. It's on the schedule. Uh, and they'll be, uh, they'll be leading you right up into lock with the, all the weather updates that you'll potentially need. I don't know if there's weather today. There's obviously weather. I don't know if there's bad weather today. Uh, but they'll, they'll, they'll. They'll they'll take care of you right then, and uh, I'm I'm here I'm I'm here in the morning. This is this is what I do. This is kind of what I do, right? I sit here, I look at the chat, I say hi, good morning. Wataz beat Suki Singh, at least recently in the chat, and uh, and I answer your DFS strategy questions. And I do that Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. 